The news and information about every player, coach, and team in the National Hockey League. This is the Hockey Today Podcast. From ESPN. Here we go, Hockey Today's podcast. This is some wacky playoff year, and we are all over it. We're going to hear from Tyler Bozak, overtime hero of the Toronto Maple Leafs, as they continue to shock the Washington Capitals. And Ryan Ellis, defenseman with the Nashville Predators, shockingly up 3-0 on the Chicago Blackhawks, also joins us as we cover all eight playoff series. All right, here we go, Hockey Today, the podcast. We are... It feels like a million weeks since the start of the NHL playoffs, but it's been <laughs> just one. Uh, Craig, do you feel that way? I just feel, there's been so much that's taken place. There's been so much drama, so many come from behind victories, so much overtime. I, I feel a bit weary. In fact, as soon as we get done taping, I'm going to have a nap because I, I just feel <laughs> you deserve one. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It's been it, we're what we're what a week in. Like we've got to pace ourselves here. This has been crazy. And then you know you can't look away from the late games, right? Like even if you're covering one of the early games, then you file or whatever. And then it's like, oh my gosh, the Ducks and Flames are in. You know, it, it's crazy out west. So it's it's been fun. Yeah. No. And it's I. I guess I'm. I guess what's surprising about it is that, that yeah, I mean, we're going to talk Eastern Conference here. You know, mainly in the first segment, we're going to hear from overtime hero Tyler Bozak, courtesy of our good friend Pierre LeBrun. Um, but I, 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 let me ask you first: Are you surprised that, given all the drama, that we have so many series that are completely lopsided? I mean, this is last year there were no sweeps at all yeah. in the playoffs, and two years ago there were two series that were over in four. And as you and I are chatting here today, there's a potential for four series to be done, <laughs> including, and, and I will say this, including, and thank goodness for our staff people, including three teams that were well in excess of 100 points during the regular season. That's crazy. Those three teams, Columbus, Minnesota, Chicago, and all of them top 10 goal-scoring teams. So all three of those teams were top 10 in goals scored per game during the regular season. They are averaged between the three of them, because I did the math. Uh, It took me only a couple hours to get it, but a little bit bit north of 107 points for all three of those teams. 0 for 9, and I would have to go back and look, either 11 or 12 or 13 goals between the three of them in nine games. Uh, I mean, are you surprised by that part of it, given just how close the games have been? Well, the games, it's almost like you're flipping a coin and it keeps coming up heads or tails. And you'd assume it would even out. And But if it doesn't, before you get to 3 nothing, you almost feel like, okay, now it's it's gone too far for, for those teams that are down in that hole right now. It's been amazing. Like the, the fact that, you know, all we've talked about for, you know, all year is how much parity there is and how evenly matched all these teams are. And then... Right away, in the first round of the playoffs, these teams jump out to three nothing leads, like the, you know, like it's overmatched. But the thing is, if you're the if you're the fans on the downside of the three nothing, you, you probably can trace each game, um, almost in every case, to points where you could have won. And some sometimes that's not the case, but um, boy, and, and most of them they are. So yeah, it's it's been crazy how it's played out this way. And and there was a point last night on Monday night, the Maple Leafs win. You know, and then you switch over to the Chicago Nashville game, 
And the Maple Leafs had two series wins, and the Chicago Blackhawks had not scored a single goal yet in the playoffs at all. And I'm sitting here going, what kind of bizarro world are we living in? That's absolutely true. And we're going to talk Blackhawks and Nashville Predators in the second segment. Um, uh, we're going to do a chat. Uh, what would be an epic uh, victory for the Nashville Predators? But let's stay in the East to start with it. And I'd like to, to start with the series that, and not just because I covered games one and two in Washington, but yeah. it's a series that I still, I like, I'm so fascinated by it. And uh, it was great. I, I, I'd have to go back and find the writer in Washington who, uh, made this reference, but he said this is the only series where both fan bases believe that their team is destined to lose. And I, just, <laughs> I, don't, and I, I don't. I think it may be true because I, even though the Leafs are now up two-one in the series, Tyler Bozak scoring the overtime winner, and, and just a, a tremendous hockey game. Like how you know oh the Caps gosh, are up three-one, so they score in their first two shots, but the Leafs, yeah, they just keep coming, coming, and uh, it was just tremendous. And uh, I want to ask you about some playoff penalty calls in, in a bit, but um, yeah. are, are you do you like does your view of this series change given that Leafs are up two one, or is there still part of you that is like I, I'm not like I cannot I can't imagine that a Capitals team this good and built for the long haul, and we've been talking about it for, literally for months <laughs> that they could be done. <laughs> In a week and a half. I mean, is, is that possible? Uh, yeah, 100%, because there's nothing fluky about what Toronto's doing. When you watch these games, it's not like, oh, the, what another bad break for the Capitals. It's like Toronto, I, I mean, they're they're going toe-to-toe with this team. And, you know, I talked to a coach that watched these two teams play um, at a point late in the regular season, and he said he thought Toronto, or he thought Washington manhandled Toronto. And, like, that stuck with me. I'm like, boy, if this – you get into the playoffs – and this big, heavy Capitals team with four lines and all those defensemen, you know, they're going to take this young and smallish in some positions uh, Maple Leafs team and manhandle them. And it hasn't even come close to materializing that way. Um, so, yeah, my, my perception of, uh, of the Leafs have changed. My time, like I've been saying, you know, you've, you've heard, I've been saying I think they're going to win a Stanley Cup in the next few years. But now I'm like, but I, I just looked at this year as a learning experience. And now I'm like, forget it. You, if you're going to knock off the team we all said was a Stanley Cup winner, then there's no limit to what you can do in this playoffs. But all that said, like, we're still three games into that series. Like, this thing hasn't – like, it's we still got a lot of hockey to be played there. Yeah, and I don't it – like, it's different in having covered a lot of Capitals playoff series over the years where – and sometimes where you could just – you felt like – Oh my goodness, they they're going off the rails, right? Like they're over the side of the mountain, and I don't get that sense at all. Like it's just it, the games have been tremendous. It's been high drama. They've been great plays. The goaltenders at both ends have been very, very good. Um, for me, I guess Freddie Anderson is a little bit more of a revelation, just because I, you know, the last time I saw him in the playoffs at the end of the Western Conference Final two years ago, he just he sort of he sort of faded. He faded a little bit just drifted a bit and it was enough for Chicago <laughs> to beat Anaheim in game seven uh, or in seven games. They of course won the seventh game in, in Anaheim. And I just wonder, ah, it's like, well, you know, I know he was really good last year when he got in in relief of John Gibson in Anaheim. But uh, so let me ask you, are, yeah. of the goaltending, like this is, this is a bit different goaltending duel than I thought I was going to see. Is it different than you thought? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, 
I, I guess, you know, I, I thought Braden Holtby would have a fairly significant edge there just because Braden Holtby has been so good throughout the years in the playoffs. I, it's just, it's been close up and down the lineup. And, and I, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm stunned at it. But I, like to see that energy and, the, you know, the fans outside the building yesterday uh, after that win and, the, you know, just the way this team is playing is, it's, I don't know, it's, just been, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, you make the point that, like, if, if the, you have a different vibe about this Capitals team, and if they lose this series, it's not because they, you know, choked it away or whatever. But, boy, I mean, we said the same thing about the Capitals last year. They lost to a fast, speedy Penguins team. and we, You didn't feel bad about it, right? You, you watch that Capitals-Penguins series, and you're like, look, that's a good Penguins team. But, I mean, the Capitals are supposed to be good, right? Like, you need them to break through one of these, right? Instead, of, so, so you're not just going, well, you know, the Capitals played well, but what are you going to do? Like, they need to break through one of these. Don't they? Like we, I, why, like why are we, why do we, why do we feel like we got to make excuses for the Capitals all the time? That's my question for you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question, and I don't. I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I just, I think. Here's what I think. I think that the Capitals are still going to win this series, and I think winning it, and whether it's going to, obviously, it's going to take six games if they're going to do it now. Yeah. Um, but if they're going to do it, and it takes six or seven games or whatever, I think they're going to be better positioned to beat Pittsburgh. And I, you know, we'll talk Penguins in a second. But the Penguins are going to beat Columbus, right? They're up three nothing. Yeah. That's a foregone conclusion. Sorry, Columbus Blue Jackets fans. Um, but I think the Capitals will be better positioned if they beat the Leafs to beat Pittsburgh than a year ago when they really were so. To me, like it's night and day. It's night and day because they beat Philadelphia a year ago, and right now they're behind Toronto. But I like their play better <laughs> this year in the first round than I did yeah, a year ago I when I that. thought they were like at about three quarter speed against a pretty ordinary Philadelphia team. I agree um, with you completely that if they can get through this, then they, it will benefit them because it was like, okay, you face down just the ultimate Capitals disaster of going in as the odds-on cup favor where you had a path to the Stanley Cup finals and you couldn't even beat this young and inexperienced Maple Leafs team. Um, it, like, it, it's the worst-case scenario that's starting to play out for the Capitals. So, yeah, if they, if they do emerge from this, um, I think it's great. Now I think it would take a, a heap of the pressure off of them. And I think that's part of the issue here is the, the Leafs are playing with none of that right now. They're just out there and, you know, they're saying how much fun they're having. Like, this doesn't look fun for the Capitals to me, does it? Like. <laughs> Well, I think I still think there's this sort of I, like again the, the pace of the the game has been you know for me anyway it's, it's awesome. been so it's fun to watch so but and you make you know you you provide the perfect segue to uh, Pierre Lebrun's uh, discussion with Tyler Bozak and, there, and part of his discussion talks about you know they're this sort of they're having so much fun and they're still playing little games with each other and you know they're made they just. They just don't get it, right? At some point, maybe they'll during the series they'll go, "Holy cow, we're the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're not really that good, or we're holy cow. Where are they? And, like, <laughs> well, I know. I'm just saying. I wonder right, at right, some right. point where there where there will be a moment of, oh wait a minute, okay, can we really do this? And maybe that's when this you know there'll be a, a you know a sea change in in the, you know, the the feel and the vibe of this series. Maybe not. I mean, you may be right. They like, when just... it, yeah, when it gets when it gets to the point to like close it out, then it's like, oh wait, we actually now we're expected to do this. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe, I think, like but... when it shifts it a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, anyway, but I thought uh, it was you know it's interesting to hear Tyler Bozak, uh, who of course scored 
to date, probably the biggest goal in, in uh, uh, how many years, Craig? I mean, how many years yeah, until you told, say they went to a conference final in 2002? All right. Anyway, oh, you're doing math years. again, Scotty. Let's not do that. <laughs> I know. I'll have to have my nap early if I do that. <laughs> On that note, we will hear from Tyler Bozak in his conversation with Pierre Lebrun.
Frank, just before we leave this series, I thought one of the interesting byproducts of, of the first three games, and certainly in game three itself, is Washington coach Barry Trotz coming out and saying, listen, he's he's got to do better than giving Alex Ovechkin 15.08 of ice time. 15.08, yeah. Which is, uh, that's not enough, I don't think. And that's a game that it didn't go very far into overtime, and there was the power play that, that basically ended the game early in overtime. Lars Eller taking the high-sticking penalty the, near the end of regulation. But that's it, it's not an it's 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 not enough, right? And I, I you know Barry Trotz is very candid. Listen, that's on me. Right. I got to get him on the ice more. But are you surprised that that's kind of part of the the dialogue as we discuss what's going on with the Capitals at this stage? Yeah, well, he played, and I, I mean it's apples and oranges, but it's just fun anyways. He played almost ten minutes less than he did in Game Two in Game Three, <laughs> and I know we're talking about a two overtime game, but that's a lot. I mean that's that's significant, and um, you know. Alex Ovechkin is criticized for his, you know, maybe not having the overtime goal or the timely goal. Well, he's got to be on the ice <laughs> to do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I, I like that Barry Trotz, you know, didn't didn't skate around it or whatever. And he just said, look, I got to get him out there more. Because it reminds me a little bit of covering the Blues last year. And Tarasenko was, Vladimir Tarasenko was getting 13, 14. It was, it was way too low for a guy that can blow a series open. And you know, Ken Hitchcock would say, well, and, you know, of course I love Ken Hitchcock, but he would say, uh, but look at how many shifts he had, and you know, we don't look at ice time, and, you know, kind of, like, out thinking ourselves here, I'm like, well, just get him on the ice, and that's how I feel about Alex Ovechkin at this point. Well, it's, and, you know, it's funny how these things sort of take on a life of their own, and, uh, you know, it was a couple of years ago in the finals that John Cooper was really got under the gun as the final series between Tampa and Chicago went because there was a lot of discussion about whether Steven Stamkos was getting enough ice time to yeah, yeah. give the Bolts a chance to win. And I, I, I think it was real. Like, guy, these guys are pros. Like Alex Ovechkin's not coming out and going, well, you know, if I get four or five more shifts, we probably win 5-2, right? He's not. That's not his <laughs> way. He's not going to I wish he would. Well, well it would be a good story. But anyway, I, I think it will be fascinating then to move forward as you know, see a how the Caps can, if they can, get themselves back into, you know, where they're the ones dictating the the pace and the tone as they were early in Game Three, and how much Alex Ovechkin, and he's play, It's not like he's not playing well, right? Scores a huge goal in the first yeah. game, scored in Game Two. Um, like it, it's it's not the story isn't Alex Ovechkin isn't playing well unless unless you disagree. Nope, I don't disagree. I think, I, like, I think sometimes, you know, like, think about the players we're talking about here. We're talking, you know, Steven Stamkos and Vladimir Tarasenko and Alex Ovechkin, just elite, elite goal scorers. But sometimes in the playoffs, I think, you know, these coaches tend to lean on the guys that, that, they, that are doing other things well or, you know, you're, some, I don't want to say these guys are one-dimensional because they're not. And Alex Ovechkin has certainly rounded out his game. But there's, I think there's just coaches that, that tend to maybe get conservative in, in who they're putting out there and maybe a guy that is better in their own end in a tight game. Um, and, and this is what happens if you're not, like, intentional about making sure a guy gets his minutes. All right. Alex Ovechkin, fifteen oh eight, And Tom Wilson, overtime hero for game one, thirteen oh seven. So it's just two minutes separates Oof. Tom Wilson. And I, this is not a slight against Tom Wilson. I think he's played very, very well. Uh, and he did score an overtime winner, but I think your gap has to be a little bit bigger between Tom Wilson and Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, I would. I would. And and the beauty of it is Barry Trotz agrees with us. I I think yeah, unless he's blowing smoke, but I, like 
you know, I just I think it's just kind of in the flow of the game that these things happen. All right, I want to move on. I want to ask you about Boston Ottawa because it's a series I do not understand. Um, but I wanted to ask you about the penalty call uh, at the end of uh, what was early in overtime. Riley Nash yeah. uh, given the penalty for what was it? it was the elbowing. Uh, or roughing, sorry, punched Bobby Ryan in the head. But this was after Bobby Ryan had severely <laughs> took elbowed off his head in the face. He took <laughs> off his head with his elbow in the same, like in the same. It wasn't even. He didn't chase him down the ice. It was split second, right? Bobby Ryan elbows Riley Nash in the head. Riley Nash punches Bobby Ryan. Probably shouldn't have mm-hmm. done it. They only get the one. Um, I heard. I heard very little, or saw very little, uh, alarm raised at the penalty to Lars Eller for high sticking that ultimately led to the uh, Bozak overtime goal. Like, I didn't hear any yeah. of that kind of stuff. And, and I, frankly, I love that that we're seeing penalties called in overtime. We're seeing penalties yep. called no in the third period. I mean, I, I think I, I think it is a complete breath, breath of fresh air, and I believe it is contributing to the closeness of the games because I, I, it always drives me crazy when the standards change and penalty and game 20 – is no longer a game, penalty in game one of the playoffs, and the penalty in the first period is no longer a penalty in the third period. So I love all that stuff. But I, re- I, felt, li- I felt badly for a Bruins team that had clawed its way back from down 3 nothing uh, to go to overtime. And I, I didn't like the call. I thought it was completely botched. And, it, and, it, what, and we'll find out in a few days. But it may have cost the Bruins everything. Now, am I overstating it, or how, how do you feel about that? Um, I, well, I still think the Bruins are going to win that series, but I, I, with a caveat that I've you know said all year long, I don't think Ottawa's going to stay where they are, and I don't think Ottawa's going to make the playoffs, and I don't think Ottawa's going to win that series, and I don't think Ottawa – like a lot of – clearly don't deserve it. Um, but, boy, holy cow, what a bad – what a missed call right there. Um, and then for Bobby Ryan to score, like it was so yeah, perfect. I, I like, I like. That's one of the nice parts about being a neutral observer. You can just sit there, like I, I just started laughing. So I'm like, of course it's Bobby Ryan, and uh, you know, it, it, it was great. But not if you're a Bruins fan. It was a, it was a, it was a brutal call. And I'm not a big like blame blame the officiating. Like Agreed. I don't have a yep. lot of tolerance for that because you're going to get one at some point. But that one was so blatant and so bad, and then the result was so devastating that I think the Bruins have a very, you know, they have a gripe there and yeah. I, I, you know, fans can feel completely free to complain about that all day. <laughs> that series is, I'm with you. Like I, I might as well just, and I'm, I'd like to go back and how many podcasts in a row where I either diminish the value of the senators, complain about them being in the battle for first place, suggest they are <laughs> going to be cannon fodder in the first round, none of which, all of which has been proven false, right? Whatever I say about the senators is completely wrong. I, I'm with you. I felt, you know, I just, I picked the Bruins just out of habit uh, because I, because I don't believe in the senators, right? I can't get how they've been there, but good for them for, uh, you know, they blew a 3 nothing lead, yes, but found a way to win by hook or by crook. And, you know, looked like they were down and out in game two and uh, come back and tie it late. And, you know, Dion Phaneuf was the overtime winner, which, if I'm not mistaken, was also a power play goal. Um, it's a, this, I, it, they're a fascinating group. And so let me ask you, if Ottawa does continue to 
prove <laughs> you and I completely wrong. Do you like yes. that to have, you know, whether it's Montreal or the New York Rangers, why not? Why not Ottawa in an Eastern Conference final? Oh, jeez. I, I want to see him win a series first. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> okay. And I, I'm just not. But you know what? The only thing I, I, then every once in a while, Eric Carlson will make a play that maybe only one person in this universe can make, like that pass. That, that, that you know, the, uh, the length of the, you know, up, up the ice. Like, every, like, he's the reason they are where they are. He's so good. And another guy, you know, he's he's bought into what Guy Boucher is asking, um, and and there's times where he just carries that team on his back, and, and he's been awesome. So yeah, if they if they do advance, it's it's in large part for Eric Carlson. But no, I won't. I think I need. They'd have to get to like a Cup final before I'm like, you know what, this Senators team might be okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm afraid to go to Ottawa now. I'm afraid to uh, if they if they get to a conference final or to a Stanley Cup final. I'm afraid to go to Ottawa for fear of the backlash uh, for all the negativity on hockey today, the podcast. Although maybe they now it's like a badge of honor. They keep, they, they don't want us to stop. Yeah, they're not going to want us. If we start praising the senators, you know, they're at some point that's, that's bad news for them. Uh, I want to ask before we close the segment, uh, this segment of hockey today, the podcast, our playoff role right along here. Um, New York, Montreal, another series. I have a little bit of trouble getting my head around because I thought the Rangers, you know, I thought the you know the goaltending duel was going to be dynamic, and it was. I thought yeah. it was going to be pivotal. And but, you know, Hendrik Lundqvist has probably played, if not as well as Carey Price, maybe even a little bit better. Given I think he's played better. More. But, yeah, I think yeah. he's probably played better. Um, and I really thought the Rangers would just there. I like their depth, and you know what? There was lots to like about them. I thought, even though they were the road team to start, um, but. Uh, Alexander Radulov. Do you like? Do you say it that way, or do you call it? Do you say Radulov? I'm Radulov, but I'm, I'm willing to say that. Admit that that may not be right. All right. Well, as you know, I now say Jimmy Vc's name correctly, so I just like like to get on the right page. But uh, Radulov has been an absolute beast, and you know it's, it's so funny to like they love him in Montreal, right? And he's been so good for them, and they yeah. just they're they're finding a way. That, but I still think I think this series is going to go the distance, and I like. I still think the Rangers have some more in them. Or I don't know. Are, are you, do you feeling? Are you feeling different about this? Yeah. No. I think it's seven games. I think. I think Henrik Lundqvist. We, you know, we were kind of debating the Price and Lundqvist thing, and and when I look at the shot totals, he'd faced more shots on goal than any other goalie in this playoffs. And at some point, um, you know, you want the team to. To, to pitch in a little there. I picked Montreal to win. It's a, it's one of the few picks I actually still feel good about in the first round after being completely humbled um, by the rest of these series. But um, it's, it's, you know, it's been a, it's, it's been a great series. I, I have been impressed with how Henrik Lundqvist played because, you know, I talked to person after person that just said, anytime their analysis of the, the, that series, um, they, anytime they started to analyze it, they would say there was this, this assumption that Henrik Lundqvist wasn't the same Henrik Lundqvist. And they're like, and it wasn't even like they were saying anything controversial. They were just saying it as fact. Like, well, we all know Henrik Lundqvist isn't the same guy he was three years ago, but, you know, X, Y, Z. And he hasn't played like it. He's played like vintage Henrik Lundqvist, and that's why that's still a series. But yeah. at some point, you know, and they he can't be the best player every night for the Rangers, right? Like, at some point, he needs some help. Yep. No, I think it's uh, – yeah, it's going to be uh, – uh, I, I like how this – I like this series because it's been – 
it's different than I thought it was going to be. I I picked the Rangers to win this series, so I mean, as you know, it's always about me. But um, I, I think I think the and but the, the the funny part about this is that the Rangers are holding true to characters that they're like they're terrible at home, and I still don't quite get my head around. You know, why can't you play at Madison Square Garden, right? Like, why can't yeah. you as the home team play well there? And they've you know, I don't know whether that's one of those things that's now suddenly in their head. It's like Calgary, what is it, 29 straight losses in Anaheim now. It, for some reason, it's become this this ghost that, that haunts the Rangers whenever they go back to their to, to their arena. And it's clear that they're going to have to get over that if they're going to win this series. So we'll, I try yeah. not to, like, factor – like, when I was picking that Calgary-Anaheim series, I refused to acknowledge that that could be a thing. Like, the yeah. – the, the lack of – I just like – yeah, it's really – boy, is it working out great for me. But I'm like, look, like why – and I tried to do that even with the Capitals. I'm like, why did, why did, does this group of Washington Capitals have, have to pay for the sins of Capitals teams 15 years ago? Or what is – you know, a, a Calgary team couldn't go in and, and win in Anaheim five years ago have to do with Sean Monaghan? You know, like yep. I just refuse to acknowledge it and – at the, you know, at the same time, and I'm almost like the same way with with the Rangers thing and at home. And but then after a while, you're like, boy, it just keeps on happening. I, it, I, like, but I, until I hear a really good explanation, like you know, Elaine Vigneault is is really going after the wrong matchups. I need some something to grab onto that says this is the reason why this team continually does X. And yeah. and or else it's just hard for me to really like say, okay, that has some meaning. Something meaningful. The, the one that does maybe is the Capitals, just because there's so much pressure on them now, right? I, I think yeah. if you're playing with it, so it, it isn't just a one year's worth of pressure. It's it's you know decades and decades worth of pressure now, and maybe maybe there's something there. I just I try like that. Just is all noise to me, though. Yeah. Well, and I, I do know that decades and decades of pressure geologically. That's how you get a diamond. And that's why. I still oh, wow. What a turn of yeah. a phrase by you. All right, yeah. And, and you know, I like, to, I like to end each segment with a good – it's like a cliffhanger kind of thing. So uh, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> we will bring to a close the first edition, first edition, first segment of Hockey Today, the podcast. But do not go away because we'll be back in exactly 60 seconds. <laughs> All right, here we go. One minute has passed, and as promised, Craig, did you look up the geological, you know, formation of the diamond thing in the uh, break? (laughs) I did not, but you know what I did? You know what I did? I make. I I went and googled. I wanted to because I know you're going to get into this Calgary Anaheim series, and I wanted to rewatch that that Bennett hit on Bexa and make sure because I think we're going to. You talk about bad calls. Yeah. And, and late hits, and I want to make sure. Okay, if we're going to crush this 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 guy here, I'm I'm on the right side here, and it's it, it looks just like I remember it. So go yeah, ahead. I, <laughs> yeah, no. In fact, I, I was I was thinking the same thing too uh, when it happened. That uh, my, you know, uh, I don't like that hit, and I don't think it's. No. I, I think it's pretty much against the rules. So. Um, <laughs> And so, like you just got done saying, you know, they're calling, they're calling stuff. I don't know if it's like this. This Ducks Flame series seems to have a different flavor to it, right? Like I don't know, like it. I mean, I don't know how that doesn't get called. It's it's ridiculous. The puck's gone, and and you know, it's 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 a bad it's a bad no call. 
There's no, yeah. there's no two ways about that. Um, but it does like that. That series has just been like the wild west. Yeah, and it well, and <laughs> Flames are down three nothing there, and I, I think you can say this about all four series that started three nothing that you can look at. Maybe not Columbus as much, um, yeah. But certainly Minnesota, St. Louis, and Nashville. Well, maybe not even Nashville, Chicago, because Nashville's been pretty darn good. But certainly Flames and uh, and Ducks. Look, the Flames have had every opportunity to – like it could be – we could be in an alternate universe very easily talking. Flames up 3 nothing, about to send the Ducks packing because it's just been – like you know, there's, they've had the opportunities and, and can't get it done. And I'm not going to throw Brian Elliott under the bus, but he does have the worst save percentage of uh, any of the 16 goaltenders. Uh, playing in the playoffs, and you know Brian Gibson has been Brian, yeah, has John Gibson. Brian Gibson (laughs) is a neighbor, actually, but John Gibson has been really good. Like, yeah. uh, What do you make? Well, he's been good. He's been good. Let's not, you know. Yeah. Okay. Not Bernier had to come in and and help out a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, but he's been good enough. Like he's been well. Okay. Well, uh, let me ask you. Do you? Do you feel differently about the Ducks, who I think sort of got short shrift yeah. into the uh, playoffs? And in fact, it did look like my neighbor Brian Gibson, who played a little bit before <laughs> John Gibson. But uh, do, do you feel differently about this Ducks team that I, who I think it's fair to say, probably got some short shrift? You know, everyone loved Edmonton, and we're talking Chicago, and you know, Ducks were really good, <laughs> really good. Yeah, the Ducks are really good. Points in fourteen straight games heading into the playoffs. So, uh, do you? You know, do you feel differently, especially given that they have the potential to get done early and then, you know, wait out, you know, see what happens? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I picked Calgary again because my picks are, have been miserable. I, someone on Twitter goes, hey, I really appreciate your coverage, but boy, are you bad at picking playoff series. And I'm like, well, not <laughs> always. Not I feel yet, like this. Hey, it's not over, Yes. Uh, thank you for that, for my confidence booster. And it's, uh, you know, historically it has, hasn't been this bad. It's just been a weird year. And it goes to your point, Scott, that this series certainly is not a 3 nothing series. Like, I pick Calgary. At, at worst, it should be 2-1, to one, you know, if, if there's a, a bounce here or a bounce there. Um, you know, I mean, it's just been it's been an even even series. And the Ducks, I mean, have they changed my opinion? No, I, because I just, I thought that, I think the Ducks are a good team. And I, and I you know, when you pick a team to lose, it doesn't mean you don't, necessarily you don't like the ducks um i just thought come on you, you, you tried... no i've heard what no, you doesn't said mean i hate the ducks that's <laughs> <laughs> true you know what i i you know i'm, I'm not a huge randy carlisle guy but it, even though you know i talked to someone that really said watch how he he's so good in the playoffs like this is where you, where that randy carlisle hire will pay off because he's so yeah. good at, at matchups and in-game adjustments and in terms of a feel behind the bench in a playoff series you know, this person felt that Randy Carlisle was as good as anybody out there. And, and I don't know, I just, you know, I saw the young legs of the Calgary Flames and, and thought, you know, that's, that's a team that can go out there and, and, and pull off an upset. But, they, you know, they may end up getting swept and, and they can go home and go, boy, what just happened to us? But and, and on some level, you, you feel like it's okay. you did all right, but you'd like to get a win in there. No, the uh, I will say what's impressive to me about the Ducks is that, um, you know, they've been they're banged up along the blue line, and but some of those kids, like you know, Shea Theodore has been I think five points yeah. now in three games, Jeez, two and goals, just, yeah, yeah, 
And we know, you know, we've been talking about it, uh, certainly leading into the trade deadline, you know, what will the Ducks do? And I think certainly heading into the offseason between the end of the playoffs and the draft in Chicago, will Bob Murray be moved? You know, he's got to do something with this glut right. of, of young defensemen. But when you see it happen, right, like when you when you know that Cam Fowler's out and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, geez, maybe you know, that's a lot to ask of these kids. Um, sort of like what's going on in Toronto, I suppose. But it's been... It must be reaffirming for Ducks fans and, and certainly for that organization to see the play of these young guys who've been thrust into roles and maybe they weren't anticipating having to put them in at this stage. And, you know, you're right, good for them. It reminds me of this, yeah, I know a different coach, but it reminds me a little bit of the Ducks' first-round series a couple of years ago against Winnipeg. And I don't, and honestly, I'm truly not running you into the ground on this, but I think you had, you picked <laughs> Oh, here Winnipeg. we go. I, I, I think you picked Winnipeg. How come you can't remember, Ducks. like, you know, what, what, what assignments that we have? Name? But you, can re- you can't remember John Gibson's name, but you can remember my, my wrong picks from four years ago. That's what I'd like to know. Well, I don't even know. Anyways, continue Aston. on. Asked and answered, my friend. It's easy for me to remember that stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I'm not mistaken, in that series, which the Ducks, they swept a, a really up-and-coming, big, physical, fast Jets team. And in every game... The Jets led and and couldn't close the door, and but the the Ducks found a way. They you know they every game they found a way to get the job done and, and move on. Now you know. Different. I was so scarred by that series that I'm still convinced that the Jets won two games. Like when you say it was a sweep, I'm like, no, it was. It couldn't have been a sweep. They had, they played they played well that Winnipeg Jets team that year. Yeah, but oh. anyway, good on the Ducks. And I'll tell you, you know, it's like Ryan gets laugh is you know he's. He's he's Ryan Getzlaff. He's playoff Ryan Getzlaff right now, yeah. and it's yeah they're going to be a handful. And of course, with the way things are shaping, it you know they could they could play. You know, there's no just no assigned role. It's not like we know if Pittsburgh and Washington both win, they're going to play. It's uh, it's still up in the air who the Ducks might face. Bottom yeah. line is though, it, they're gonna, they're going to be a handful. You know what I'm? I'm going to say it right now. If the Ducks or when the Ducks win that series, I will not pick against them the rest of the Western Conference playoffs. Like I like, I, I like I will be on. I'm going to firmly go on Team Anaheim Ducks, and I will pick. I will pick them to win out because I, I just right. I think they're that good. And they, you're right, they're depth on D. I was concerned. I picked against them. Part of it was Cam Fowler being out, and that's 25 minutes a game or whatever he averaged. And he had such a good year. Um, and Sammy Vatnin's only played one game. And like that's the silver lining, regardless of what happens in in this you know playoff series. I think it could be a good one for the Ducks now. Um, you know, Bob Murray is going to have to move somebody at some point this off season. And I think you know teams were calling about Lindholm and Vatten and and, and Shea Theodore wasn't a known quantity. And now all of a sudden, maybe teams would be you know you're getting you can build a book on some of these younger guys that if that's the guy you'd rather move if you're the Anaheim Ducks, I think you'll probably be able to get a really nice return based on what we're seeing so far. Yeah. No, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. No, but it's it, fascinating. Uh, it, it's yeah. Early on sh- shaping up to be a fascinating time, moving, you know, currently. And then over the next two or three months for the, uh, for the Anaheim ducks, it's a good position to be in. Right. I mean, you know, yeah, they never got to where they needed to get to when Bruce Boudreaux was there. And, but they're still, they're still a really good team, and, and their window isn't closing. I guess that's the point. So, um, I, I want to ask you about Nashville, Chicago, um, and I want to <laughs> ask you whether this is a, 
I keep saying oh, this. It's almost like gosh. at the end of this, as first predicted by ESPN.com when Nashville wins this series, because I, I wish I'd had the gumption to pick them, and I I just couldn't. I, I, this uh, is going to be the one. We're going to get crushed on this because every one of us picked Chicago, and even before the playoffs began, people were cutting and pasting that, you know, the logos yep. and our pictures, and I was seeing it everywhere, and, like, not one of you guys. And I'm like – I'm like, I think it's going to be a good series. I can't control what my other 15 colleagues do here. Like, I think, you know, we all, I think we all thought it was going to be a good series. And it just happened that we all picked Chicago. And so it's like, oh my gosh. And we're just going to get, I'm already, and it's already happening, you know, but it's going to be like, I'm, I'm going to have to ignore my notifications for a couple of days. <laughs> well, it's funny. And I can say this because I won't, it was a very casual conversation. Um, the, uh, it was a senior member of the organization who called it. And I thought he was, I thought it was serious. I thought it was like a technical thing. He said, yeah, I think you're missing the, the Predators logo on your site. And I was thinking, oh, it's a technical thing. And so I, I was about to inform our bosses. You know, sometimes we get the, you know, sometimes yeah, sure. there's a mistake or whatever in scheduling or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll let my bosses know and see if they, you know, see if they can correct it. He, he sends me a note back. He goes, you know, I'm just kidding, right? Because no one, I just assumed you'd lost our logo because no one picked us. <laughs> I started to oh. laugh out loud. I thought it was hilarious. And now, it's, now, of course, they're up 3 nothing. So I, I want to ask you, is yeah. this a function of of us just not really giving the, the Predators their due or not, not believing that their lineup could – could beat the Chicago Blackhawks, or is this is this more a failure of the Blackhawks to do what they've done for most of the regular season? I mean, is this can can it be one or the other, or where's where's the ledger for you on this? I think what it was because if you looked at the analytics on the Nashville Predators, like they were one of those teams where the record didn't match the analytics, right? It was like they should have had a better season. They were probably a better team than we want to give them credit for, and so they come in. And you know, had they been playing somebody else, I might, I would have certainly, you know, been eager to pick them just based on that. But we, I think this is the case of us. Like, if Chicago, like, if, if Chicago doesn't have it anymore, whatever, the, whatever the deal is, is happening in Chicago, this may be a case of us just not realizing it until we realize it, right? Like, you, they, they've they've earned the benefit of the doubt over the years. It's almost like it's a, it's a weird comparison, but like, if you're in a fantasy football draft and you draft. You know, there's that one player who every year has a good year, and you keep taking him, and you keep taking him, and he gets older, like a running back, and then you just know, oh boy, I hope I don't take him that one year where he's no good anymore, right? And I, that's I tend to do that, and like on some level, my, you know, we might be clouded by all those playoff series that we've seen the Chicago Blackhawks play in the past and find a way to win, and and, for, and forget the fact that hey, you know. They haven't won since their their roster construction has been um, pay Taves and Kane way more than everybody and fill it up with a bunch of you know entry level deals like that. That's you know that kicked in last year. They lost in the first round of the Blues, and now they're they're looking like they're going to lose in the first round again. And I think it now starts to raise questions about you know how the team is built and whether or not they can win with, with teams like that. Um, and we're, we. Certainly, the other thing is, and I don't want to make this a super long answer, but I think we we did sell the Predator short because um, people, you know, th- their best players are those guys in hockey. Like, you know, we've never seen Ryan Johansson win anything, right? 
So you go, boy, I, I want to see Ryan Johansson win something before I'm going to really, I'm really going to get too excited. And like PK Subban, uh, you know, has had some playoff success, but again, hasn't won a Stanley Cup. So you're like, boy, I don't know. Pekka Rinne has been, you know, hasn't been great at times. So it, I think, I think that all went into the, you know, mix all that together and you get what's happening right now. And you know what? It's a perfect segue because uh, we're going to hear from uh, Ryan Ellis, longtime defenseman with the Predators, a top-end draft pick, and a, and a player that's, you know, it's taken time for him to grow into a role, but, you know, the last couple of years has really matured into, yeah. uh, you know, a very important part of, of, of that group in Nashville. And um, so we're going to hear from him in, in a couple of minutes, uh, and then uh, we are going to... Uh, We'll, we'll get around to the other Western Conference series. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you, Craig. It's just, it's been one of those, <laughs> you knew that it was going to be close. You just thought it was going to be close in a different way. <laughs> That's uh, so, <laughs> But on that note, let's, uh, let's give a listen to our conversation with Nashville Predators defenseman Ryan Ellis. All right, here we go with Ryan Ellis, defenseman, Nashville Predators. And, Ryan, before we get on with the, what's going on in Nashville and, yeah, a little bit of news happening with the uh, your first-round series with the Chicago Blackhawks, do you prefer Freelton or Puss Lynch? When, you, when, I, you know, when I say that he's the, the pride of Freelton, Ontario, or Puss Lynch, Ontario, what do you say? Yeah, Freelton. Uh, Puss Lynch is kind of like the county or whatever, kind of up the road and smaller town. But, uh, yeah, Freelton, for sure. All right. Very nice. And as you know, I ran into you, I think, in January. I was in Nashville, and I happened to be in your stomping grounds, like literally about two, ah, maybe half a mile from your house. And they put up a new outdoor rink, and I, I was a bit surprised to see that it was not – you didn't have your name on it just yet, but but maybe. Was that in, that in the cards? <laughs> no, I mean, it's. Uh, I haven't been able to get over there to see the rink, but I've seen some pictures, and um, for a little town, it's an awesome uh, little setup they got there. They put a lot of money into it, and it's uh, um, it's nice. They, they usually have a, an outdoor rink that was, uh, I think, just kind of made by a local uh, gentleman. Um, so it's nice to have a little facility to for the kids and stuff to, to get out there and uh, play some hockey. Yeah, I know. It's, it is. It's a great little spot. I saw it at, uh, over Christmas. And obviously, speaking of great spots, uh, as you and I are chatting, coming off a uh, 3-2 overtime victory over the Chicago Blackhawks to put the Predators up 3-0 in, in the series against Chicago. First time ever in franchise history the Predators have been up 3-0. Is there a way to describe what's, you know, what's, that, what's that like? You, you grew up in this franchise, and so you, you know the ups and downs of the playoffs, and you know how much that market is dying for the, you know, that deep, long run into the playoffs. What, what's it like to be up 3-0? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a good feeling, but uh, we got to realize that there's a, a championship-caliber team on the other side, and um, they're not going to go away. Um, this next game is going to be the hardest. Um, I mean, we're going to have to take advantage of the spot we put ourselves in, but uh, we like the way we're playing right now. And, uh, we need to continue to do the right things to, um, to be successful, and um, our fans last night were amazing, um, and it's, it's time we reward them with... Uh, some good play and um, some success down the road. It's, it, it was funny sort of watching it from afar and when you shut out the Blackhawks the first two games in, in Chicago and, and get behind 2 nothing 
in the second period in game three. And I was, you know, I think you sort of, you know, from afar, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, obviously some pushback from Chicago. That's to be expected. What was it like after the second period and in that dressing room? Because you came out and, and obviously tied it in the, the third and went on to win in overtime. What, what was that feeling like in the dressing room? And maybe, you know, who says something or what goes into that kind of third period to, to come back and, and get you into a position to win it? Yeah, we have a lot of guys in our room, a lot of character guys, and um, it was everyone kind of just added their two cents and uh, went into our dressing room. I think we were comfortable with the way we were playing. We wanted to obviously stay out of the box and, and tighten up a little bit, but um, we, we thought we were playing pretty good hockey, and um, we're going to have to continue to do that. Um, I guess it's just kind of our resiliency. We shot ourselves down um, a number of times this year, and um, for whatever reason, we, we seem to play – our best sometimes when we are behind and um, we seem to attack the game more and uh, I guess last night was kind of no different um, they're a great hockey team they've been playing well and we just need to continue to do the right things that allow us to be successful Do you change your routine up in the playoffs? It, it, I, to me it's just it's so so much fun and so dynamic and you know play off play I know you had two extra or an extra off day this week but do you are you superstitious? Do you do the same things now? What's your playoff routine like maybe compared to what's going on in the regular season? Yeah, I think everyone tries to keep it uh, similar to the uh, regular season um, because it is just another game that we we have to go in and, and try to win. And um, Everyone's got their own routine, you know, time to get to the rink and what they do to warm up and all that kind of stuff. And um, I think playoffs, I mean, obviously the start times are a little different uh, here and there as far as when the games begin. Like yesterday was a later game, and um, you might have to change a bit um, as far as, I guess, killing time to get back to the rink. But more or less, you keep it as much as the same and, uh, as the regular season. And um, I think that's everyone's kind of personal choice and what they do. But for me, it's more or less just staying the same path. Now, on the many times I've made my way to Nashville and been out at the practice rink or whatever, I often see you around the ping pong table, and it always seems fairly spirited. So, who's the who's the number one predator at the ping pong table? You can, you can be honest, here, right? That, what's, what's yeah, the deal? no, we uh, it's just something else that we like to uh, compete at. Um, it's a fun game. Everyone kind of gets involved. Everyone gets chess to play, and uh, probably the best right now, anyway, is Yost. Uh, He's always been at the top, but there's a couple guys challenging for his uh, for his top spot. But he's he's probably the most complete player on the table. Yeah, good stuff. Well, with the with any luck, you'll get lots of opportunity to keep uh, playing ping pong this spring. So that's a good thing for you. But uh, uh, Ryan Ellis, thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the rest of the playoffs uh, with the Nashville Predators. And, and thanks for joining us on Hockey Today, the podcast. Really appreciate it. All right, thank you very much. Uh, all right, before, we're going to talk briefly about uh, St. Louis, Minnesota, and uh, I, I, I'm, it's not going to stop me, but I am feeling like I'm piling on you a little bit. Uh, but I wonder oh, if the boy, Jake Allen. Oh go. <laughs> well, oh, listen, I know where you're done, going with this. I finally get a pick right, and you're going to go after. Oh, you're you're you're, you're mean spirited today. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. I don't even have a beard either. That's I don't have the angry beard. On. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, when you po- when you host a podcast, you can be mean to me. Uh, okay. But uh, all right, so Jake Allen fan club. Have they been in touch? Just uh, just curious. Yeah. After your. So, Jake Allen, for listeners who didn't read our mine, I will take ownership of it. My 
playoff goalie rankings that we did on Insider. We did each position. Jake Allen was 16 out of 16. And, um, again, it, you know, had been good down the stretch, but I've seen him play in the playoffs. Haven't seen him do it. You wanted some sort of body of work where you f- would feel better about it. And, I mean, it was, it, it was a, you know, there was some reason there. And he's only gone on to be the best goalie in the playoffs so far. Um, what I didn't... <laughs> What I didn't do was, you know, I, I saw his numbers on the stretch like everybody. But kind of after the fact, I was texting uh, Corey Hirsch, who you know well, Scott. Yeah. Corey's, I, I love Corey, especially when it comes to the Blues goalies because he's, you know, he's got intimate knowledge as a former goalie coach in St. Louis. And I said, is this a hot goalie or is this a guy that's, that's made changes um, under a new goalie coach? And, you know, Corey was quick to give Jake Allen credit, but he also gave Martin Brodeur credit and saying, you know, he's simplified his game a little bit in St. Louis. And, and he's, he is seeing Jake Allen play differently in goal, uh, you know, a more simple game that that's paying off. And it's, and the good news for blues fans, if that's the case, it's not just a hot goalie. This is a guy that's kind of made some tweaks that are paying off. And that to me suggests on some level it's, it's sustainable. But I did pick the blues to win that, which, yeah. which you failed to mention, mention, um, it was good. I was going to get yeah, around to it. I, I, All right. I was, I was, and actually, <laughs> I, and I will say, you know what? I can, I, I know that you take it in the spirit that it was intended because I, I would have had Jake Allen in exactly the same spot. Uh, and honestly, I picked Minnesota to win this series. <laughs> I think I picked them to win it in five, in fact. Um, maybe six. But <laughs> I, I like Minnesota to win, and I thought quite handily because I thought Devin Dubnik was going to – that that matchup strongly favored the Minnesota Wild, and Devin Dubnik is it's not you know it's not his fault. The Wild aren't they don't score any goals. Yeah, but there've been a couple of goals. You're like oh you know like just deflating, and the series has been so close that every you know the, the Wild have been chasing from it just feels like they've chased this series from the moment they dropped the puck. So oh, I ask you then when you look at this Blues team, is this a perfect storm for them? Like is, this is Jake Allen. You know, revenge for having lost to Minnesota a couple of years ago. This is Mike Yo getting revenge on the Wild, oh, firing great, him. Yeah. You know, is there is, like is this a, when you look at the Blues, you go, I, you know, they are they are having their way with the Wild, but that's as far as it's going to go. Like, no, no, I like second. look at like this it? point. You, you eliminate the Blackhawks. That was a team I like. You, you might, you know, you might be watching the end of the Sharks, another team that you kind of felt good about. So, like, I think if you eliminate those teams, now it's like it's up for grabs. Anything goes at this point. And, and the Blues, um, you know, Alex Petrangelo, on some level, one of the things you, you, that I didn't, you know, factor in correctly or I guess I just didn't anticipate when you trade Kevin Shattenkirk was the opportunities it would create for Alex Petrangelo and the way he would respond. And, you know, maybe it comes in the form of more ice time or more power play time or whatever. I mean, he's playing 30 minutes a game. He's been great. Uh, you know, Joel Edmondson's lighting up the score sheet with <laughs> two goals, yeah, no, which, go you know, figure. <laughs> go figure. But I do think that the Blues will be as good as any team. I mean, uh, yeah, like at, at this point, you, you can't rule out any one of these teams making a run. Like, I, they won't be my favorite team, but I, I, I picked them to beat Minnesota because I believed them when I believed – and, you know, that, that defense specifically, I like that D. And Pareko, he scores that goal the other day, like, just gorgeous. Like, I, he, I got all the time in the world for Colton Pareko. Um, so I, I think if they get through this series, which it certainly looks like they're going to do, then, yeah, they're in that group of anybody that can come out of the West. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, that's truly, it, it, it's, it's what has made this so great, right? We haven't, we, we haven't even lost a team yet. Still 16 teams. All, all our predictions are still viable as we speak. So, okay, so let me ask you this. We're going to close this edition of Hockey Day, the podcast, in a, in a moment. But okay. as you and I speak, you've got four teams that are up 3 nothing. Ergo, doing the math, four teams that are down 3 and nothing. We know historically <laughs> that right. none of Good. the teams that are uh, 0-3 have much of a chance. But this is a really weird year. So let me ask you, is there a four straight win, epic mm. rebound in the first round? Do we? Is there one of these four teams that can pull off the miracle? And not even – I wouldn't even say whether they win four in a row. Is there one of these four teams – that can win three straight so that we're talking about a game seven after a team's been down three nothing. Yay or nay? Well, let's, let's do some elimination. Okay. I, we, we can, I, I was on the Columbus-Pittsburgh series, saw enough of that one to say the Blue Jackets um, have a bright future, but I think they're not going to be the one that, that, that comes down. You know, the Penguins are just too good. Yep. And I like I liked John Tortorella's comments uh, coming from the, the morning skate um, today. He said, look, we just want to win a game. We want to put the music on and celebrate one win and, and ha- let, let these kids enjoy that and get in the playoffs and let them have one night where they can just ha- – like, that's what they're at. And then if that happens, then they can sit there and worry about, okay, now it's 3-1. How do we get back in the series? But, and I think that's a great I, – I, like, John, I, I think he's approaching that beautifully. Uh, but, no, they're, so they're out. Um, yeah, Mini and St. Louis, like, I, I think they're evenly matched teams. Uh, you know, maybe they, they like that. I don't know. Like, I when have we ever seen the Wild like push back hard? Like we've 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 been hard on them. I feel like for the last couple of months. But like, you know, when have things gone sideways and we've seen the Wild really like respond in a positive way? Um, I would say if I had to pick one, it's the Blackhawks. And I'm not doing it. I'm not saying they're doing it. But I think that's a team with some pride and. Um, that with skill and talent, experience, they've got it. They've got it all. All the all the reasons you like the Blackhawks in the first place. Um, if they can get a win, then you get a second win, and then you create doubt, and, and then who knows? But they just, you know, we've seen them down in series late in the series, but we've never seen them down like this early in a series. Like it's a weird spot for that team. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. How about you? Like, what's, who's who's your who's your best? I, I say I mean, I'm with you. I think it's Chicago if there is one. I, I will say this though. I, I don't know if it's going to be Chicago. I don't think so. But I'm prepared to just take the field. And I say one team, and that might be the Minnesota Wild, but I'm going to say one team is going to force a game seven. I know. I can't get any more. Right. And, but they're not going to win. They're going to come all that way. You're, you're willing no, to go I'm that saying far. At least, and I'm say, saying at least force it. So, uh, I say go all the way. No one will ever remember this. Say there's going to be a team that comes out of this. So we, so we can – you're not going to do it? No. Uh, no. Anyway, well, let's see. I've left myself lots of wiggle room. So, um, <laughs> But as, as we do at, uh, at this point on every Hockey Day of the Podcast, we'd like to encourage our readers, you know, tell, us, uh, tell us what you think. Go to iTunes. Give us a rating. Uh, what do you think of our picks? What do you think of a uh, prediction of a team coming back from 3 nothing down? Uh, let us know what you think. So go to iTunes. Give us a rating. It's a great time to join with other hockey fans who are enjoying the playoffs as much as you are and certainly as much as we are. And on that note, Craig Custins will bring to a close this edition of Hockey Day, the podcast. But uh, you know what? The playoffs are great because it's only a couple of days and we'll be back at it again. So we'll talk to you soon. We'd like to thank you for listening to today's show. 
For more great podcasts, check out the Pod Center page at ESPNRadio.com.